0: So it's come to this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You emphasize the this. It has come to this. You got the champagne popped. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. This is a movie podcast. Cheers to this one, man.
1: We are about to do maybe the worst movie (laughs) I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) We love movies on this podcast. We like movies a lot. We have watched the most opulent epics. You don't know how much I can just sit in awe watching some of the framing in Barry Lyndon, seeing this gorgeously framed ornate mansions. (laughs) And you're watching this thinking, this is cinema. This is beautiful. This is making me emotional. It's a still painting. But then we watch something like Cruel Jaws. Oh, man. And it's just like, I love the movies. <laughs> this is a this is cinema, baby. Yeah, we
1: we we like some low budget movies. Yeah, we've been we embraced like some passion projects.
0: I love a man that will go out or woman and make a movie. Mm-hmm. I love anybody that goes out there and makes a movie. I might not love the movie, but there's been enough movies now that I've seen just cuz a guy wanted to make something yeah. that becomes such a <laughs> foundational part of my movie watching. Just make a movie. Just well, make a movie. I haven't made a movie. i got to respect anybody that goes out and
1: makes a movie. i got to tell you, after watching this movie, I think I can make a movie. This is the closest <laughs> you've ever felt to, do, to motivating you? These are a motivational... John this, D. Hart. This might be the movie that actually gets me to go like, you know what, I'm just going to turn the phone on <laughs> and make a movie,
0: and it's going to be better than Champagne and Bullets. Champagne and Bullets is one of those just movies that became a cult classic. It's get, not quite the room. It's a very small cult. It's not, you know. <laughs> we've watched a lot of these and had some of the best movie days of our life watching Miami Connection together. Hey, I, getting to experience something like Friends to the end.
1: Listen to our episode on Deadbeat at Dawn if you want to know about a guy yeah, making man. a passion project <laughs> and with his friends
0: and making a goddamn movie. Looking back uh, over the last ten years, specifically of our friendship. Yeah. I can think back to this time. I love this. The first time I brought over Deadbeat at Dawn when you were uh we were staying at Johnny Goods' mansion Yep, yep. and we I put that on and 10 minutes in you say this is low budget. Yeah. And yeah. looking back if you had known the trajectory our next decade was going to take in all the movies we watched together. Yeah. We were just dipping our toe into low budget.
1: That you know, I was mistaken when I said low budget. I meant no budget. <laughs> no budget. This <laughs> no budget, man. This, I think that was one of the first times where, yeah, you showed me a movie where I was like, "Oh, this is just a guy in a Ohio dude.
0: making something on a video camera." Yeah, that's just a gifted Jim Van Beber, driven enough to make a movie. But you because know, you've even, seen even when you think of an indie movie. I mean,
1: Night of the Living Dead, right? Like, oh, no yeah. budget. That's a guy making a movie, but that feels like a film. Yes, right. And then, uh, yeah, you, you start watching some real, like, on video stuff. Jungle once, we, Trap, once we dove into to and, uh, yeah. shot
0: on video and to the depths of stuff like Jungle Trap, where we're not only watching shot on video movies, but we're watching shot on movies that were n- never finished and were then reassembled. To watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> once we were in a situation where we were clearly watching a movie that was filmed in a man's backyard. That's exactly. when we knew and then we went on further down that into girls at the carnival. Right. And we're watching movies that weren't even intended to be made movies. They were just people leaving a camera on and capturing the greatest twenty minutes of, of your life.
1: Yeah. So there's amateur and then there's amateur and then there's amateur amateur. Yeah.
0: Once we're watching like phobe. Yeah. But we're <laughs>
1: we're talking about a movie that stars two actual professionals, two at least legitimate two. actors.
0: Wingshauser, and our boy William Smith. William Smith has gotten Two so of the much greats. coverage. Yeah, man. Two of the greats. Two of the most legendary genre actors of our lifetimes. And, no no and, hyperbole. Wingshauser yeah. is, has done it all.
1: So when I say that this is the worst movie we've done on here, <laughs> like when I say that Deadbeat at Dawn is a powerhouse vision compared I mean, to Champagne and Deadbeat Bullets. Deadbeat at
0: Dawn an incredible movie. Deadbeat at one of the greatest guy-making-a-movie movies of this, all time.
1: This movie... Champagne this bullets. Is, this is a question mark. Okay.
0: When I say movie, I, there's a question
1: mark at the end. Okay. So I think the
0: key difference between the great versions of a guy making a movie, yeah, and a and uh, is whether or not it's a full vanity project. Right. Jim Van Beber has a a history of short films. There's been you know DVD collections of the short movies guy, he made. Yeah. yeah. When he was, you know, 14 years old and making movies with his friends. And you could tell then, like, he has ideas. He just doesn't have the means to always implement those ideas. Mark Borchardt. Boom. Right. Mark Borchardt. Go back, find our episode where we talk about Coven. One of the great... If you want no more than a guy making a movie, American movie. The 1999 documentary is a guy wrecking his brain and body Mm -hmm. just to make a 30-minute black and white, like... You know, but super then you watch it film. and it's awesome. And then COVID kicks ass. Right. COVID is sick. Go, go listen to us talk about I saw an amazing Q&A with Mark Borchardt where he is exactly the man that you see in American movies. He has a vision. He has a vision. Van Beber had a vision.
1: Yes. Borchardt had a vision. Romero had a vision.
0: John D. D. Hart just wants to be in a movie.
1: D. Hart wants to have sex with a Playboy playmate in (laughs) a hot tub. You get to see in (laughs) Champagne and Bullets a man...
0: There's not a lot of difference between Champagne and Bullets and something like Rebecca Black's Friday. This is a guy... (laughs) Like, this guy paid money... To work with professionals, even though he might not have been on the level of anybody at all he paid money to. There is not a single professional aspect
1: of this film.
0: <laughs> There's not no. a
1: technical one. There's not a artistic one. Except for Wingshauser de- delivering an incredible, insane performance and William Smith. And Pamela Bryant. Grumbling his way through. William Smith. four Four different characters that he has to play as one guy. <laughs> He has to play a bad cop turned satanic cult member turned judge turned international drug dealer.
0: The guy does it all, man. And uh, he's great. And actually he still has in he, William Smith's great. There are in two great performances in this movie. I mean, I would this argue a, Pamela Bryant's a really great third one. The The amount Maybe, maybe the, have, toughest the toughest performance. Because she has to have sex with <laughs> she has to John Dehart. All right, man. John <laughs> Dehart. When we talk about guys making a movie, there's been some, you know. This is definitely closer, like the room, than uh, than yeah. anything else. Yeah. You know, this, this is a guy the, who no, got this is
1: Tommy Wiseau, but doing the room for specifically
0: sure. a movie like the room or Miami Connection, where not only did a guy make a movie, but a guy made a movie with good intentions because they wanted to be in a movie, and somehow had a lot of money behind them. Yeah, with no idea how to spend that money. Miami Connection was not a cheap movie, no matter how cheap things look. It's easy to point and laugh when something looks shitty in a in a movie like this. But also oh, it was very easy yeah, to point and very laugh. Very easy movie. to laugh. But also, it's hard to make a movie. Oh it's I, hard. I know. And it's always awesome when a guy who John D. Hart was a trial lawyer in Los Angeles. A a man with money, enough money where you start to think of like, what can I do? I can make a movie. And he's probably met Anybody that's lived down in Hollywood, where this guy was located, all of n- will eventually run into celebrities. Mm-hmm. And once you get to know a couple, once you have some money to burn, you want to get involved. What <laughs> you bail in your... Wingshauser out of a court Wingshauser, case? Wingshauser in this movie. So, whenever we've watched <laughs> some of these low-budget movies, we've we've talked about some of the greats like Bill Lustig, who will get a guy like William Smith or yeah. Robert Forster or Bo Hopkins to get him like a gig, right? Oh yeah, you get it. You get William. Let, let them do their thing. We've seen what William Smith's in maybe one scene of Uncle Sam. I don't know. He's perfect
1: in Maniac but, Cop. Yeah, slit a throat from ear to ear.
0: Yeah, man. Bo Hopkins shows up for two scenes of Uncle Sam. Robert Forster shows up for two scenes. You know, a guy like that, it gives a great character actor some a payday. Yeah, and it adds like some class to your shitty movie. I don't know if Wings took a payday for. Yeah, champagne and, and then bullets. you watch Champagne and Bullets. You <laughs> see, did he get paid? <laughs> you see Wings Hauser and William Smith in the first scene of the movie, and you're watching it thinking, obviously, this is the only scene we're gonna see either <laughs> of these guys. And this movie has more Wings Hauser dialogue than any of his other oh, movies man. that I have seen. This is a this is a Wings-Hower. powerhouse Wings Hauser performance, man. This is an amazing Wings I mean, you watch his movies, this guy. As Ramrod in Vice Squad. We had recently talked about uh, you know, or we will talk about, I don't know when this episode's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Andrew Robinson and Dirty Harry right, as an right, unnerving, right. unhinged guy. Wings Hauser is technically the good guy in this story. And it is either a performance that is so method
1: oh, that
0: it is just transcends in, this level of, of Of improv-based, you know, actor's studio. Every scene was improv. Yeah. There's no way Wings was given a script for any of these scenes. And there is equal chance that this was Wingshauser completely blasted out of his mind (laughs) on Coke and beer with a camera just left running.
1: Well, the character was blasted on Coke and beer the whole time, Yeah, so that makes and sense. And you
0: have no idea how what level of wasted this dude is yeah. throughout this movie. And it's just as plausible that it's like, no, man, the guy's a pro. The guy was on Roseanne. He's not going to show up fucked on Coke to a gig. He's a professional. Well, maybe if the gig or, is his trial yeah, lawyer. Or it's just him recklessly firing guns <laughs> while pounding Miller Lite. Like boy, that seems hard to fake. That seems like he accidentally shot himself in the leg. Well, I don't know. He but, nev-
1: He definitely doesn't get shot in that first scene because he just kind of grabs his stomach with bloody hands, and there's no <laughs> blood on the stomach. So and he's just like, ah, ah, you got me. And nor and then William Normad William, as William normad. Smith. William Smith as Normad. I thought they were just saying Norman wrong the whole time. Right? It's actually Who's Normad. normad?
0: normad not norman yeah i just thought john d hart so john all right i keep getting away from this yeah. dude so this was a lawyer that apparently wanted that knew some guys and decided to make a movie right but sure. what's great is when it breaks down that barrier of when you can see too much of the guys making a movie you know oh, yeah. the guys getting big budgets to be friends making a movie is like adam sandler or mm-hmm. like the Ocean's Eleven movies,
1: right? But Adam Sandler is an entertainer. Yeah, these profession. guys were ma- getting;
0: these guys were making twenty million dollar. You know, to make these entertaining he, guys he knows hanging how out to movies.
1: appear to be a human being who's being funny on camera.
0: John DeHart looks like for a if this guy's your lawyer, man, I can't see how this guy was rich because I can't see how this guy would be anything but a disaster for your case. This man <laughs> in every single scene of this movie. Has manages to come off like a man who has never talked to another human and definitely never touched another human. Mm. It's insane. The haunted, vacant <laughs> eyes of John D. Hart its a man- are some of the yeah. most unnerving <laughs> shots of a man who's supposed to be the cool good guy in this movie.
1: It's a man who's never appeared on camera before and doesn't want to ask anyone, hey, where do I look? Yeah, man. When I'm on camera and I'm not looking at someone, where where do I look? No one ever told him that. So he just kind of stares at the top of the camera the entire movie. He
0: looks you dead in the fucking eyes <laughs> so many times. So like John D. Hart has this crazed look on his face, our hero in this movie, but he looks like a guy, like, if you saw the way John John O'Dehart looks directly into the camera, if that guy was on the bus and mm-hmm. looked at you the same way, this guy is like, oh, man, I've ridden the bus before, but this guy is fucked. <laughs> Except Rick is just supposed to be the cool dude. He is the Eastwood. He is the Bronson. Yeah, this dude is beloved by all. <laughs> He's the popular guy, and he has... The personality yeah. of, like, a rock. Rick Bodie. Rick Bodie. It's insane, man. Yeah. This him. is the most vanity film of the vanity films. Miami Connection was made as, you know, an advertisement for a guy's karate studio. Right. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had yeah. enough students. He liked karate movies. He wanted to make one that focused on, you know, doing good, cleaning up the streets. Yeah. Good intentions. The Room was like, all right, this guy got paid several million dollars of you know, government money to make this, Room is much more unprofessional than Champagne and Bullets. Because the first step John yeah. DeHart takes when he's like, I'm going to put myself in a full movie, he films this on like 35mm. This is a professional, this is a movie with film grade. There's at least you that, know? I guess. There's yeah. grain in this movie. Like, this isn't just a guy. This guy is like, there is shot composition. And then he manages to fuck every composition well, up by just looking in the wrong spot. He has no idea how to block a scene. We've seen at this point enough uh, 70s pornography that clearly understands blocking mm-hmm. in a scene, and John D. Hart just tramples over every part of it. This is the most fourth-wall-breaking, bizarre, like... This gets into the worst of the Tim and Eric yeah. kind of subgenre.
1: Well, this... Uh, the. It has no continuity. It has no like basic day one, like film well, stuff. The movie starts it, with a. It starts with an action DEA sequence. Bust, it starts right? with an action sequence, a shootout in yeah. which what what I noticed throughout the entire movie, the maybe my favorite part of the whole movie is how every <laughs> time anyone fires a gun, they like squint. Yeah, man. And then just like like wait for the impact, like. Were they shooting real guns? They
0: were 100% shooting real guns. <laughs>
1: because from Wingshauser and William Smith down to John D. Hart himself, every time they fire a gun in this movie, it is like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. It's uh,
0: so
1: like, bam, bam. And it's like they're squeezing as hard as they can, and it's not happening. They're like, oh, it's going to happen any minute. <laughs> oh, Bang.
0: <shit>. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bang. All right. So when we're watching, you know, Jungle <laughs> That's tra- how we open. When we're watching Jungle Trap, we can see this like this is this dude's this is James Bryan's porch. <laughs> this is his porch and we're seeing that. Now there's ways that a guy can use his house really classy in a movie, you know, but Champagne and Bullets is not quite John Cassavetti's home in Love Streams. <laughs> no. We're you not know? getting into faces here. We're but we're shooting guns. So <laughs> Jungle Trap, yeah, this isn't quite Seymour Cassell in faces, but <laughs> Jungle Trap is clearly not only is it in its backyard, it looks no different than home movies that my dad shot in our backyard. Yeah. You're getting hard sun glare into the camera. None of this is set up at all. It's on a VHS tracking line tape, right? Mm-hmm but Champagne and Bullets is on this really nice looking 35 millimeter, like some guy set up a 35 millimeter heavy ass hot camera to film his friends playing like <laughs> cops and robbers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it keeps that spirit up the whole time but instead of just filming your friends saying funny shit while they're high, you're like hold on, this camera weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> Nobody knows how to work the fucking thing. So the I listened, I made a mistake of listening to some of the audio, the g- Gorgeous full-length audio commentary that Vinegar Syndrome yeah. put on their incredible release Vinegar, of Champion Bullets. Vinegar Syndrome
1: does good work. Yeah. This time they've gone too far. They've done too much, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Vinegar syndrome must be stopped. You guys gave this dude a whole director's commentary track. There's three different releases on this All release. Three right?
0: releases, man. Get even, get even, road to revenge which cuts out all the nudity of Champagne and Bullets, which means it's a 28-minute shorter movie.
1: (laughs) Guys, there's so much champagne (laughs) love in this movie.
0: This movie delivers a lot of champagne. Somebody is sipping out of this. Yeah, they got that part right. They have like rose gold-colored champagne flutes in some scenes, but you know this is a guy making a movie with his friends in his yard because the... The bar that they go to in this movie throughout the whole movie yeah. is literally John D. Hart's game room in his house. Oh, it's definitely someone's basement. It is, it is, he's got arcade games in there because I bet this guy lived in Hollywood, so he definitely owned his own arcade company yeah. that sold machines or vending machines to shops. Right? He was making a side hustle, yeah. And that's all this movie and, is, and it, is him making a movie in his house with his buddies. Except his buddies are two of my favorite character actors in yeah. the history of film. And he
1: somehow is convincing a lot of women to take their tops off. So much so that people in the movie are offended by it. Dude. There's he's... a whole character who calls the cops on
0: public nudity in a movie <laughs> that features public nudity. This movie, get, he convinces so many women to get naked, including Pamela Bryant, 1978 Playmate. Pamela Bryant, who's, who did a lot of actual TV work. She did all the 70s TV, Charlie's Angels, love. Like, she showed up on that. She does a lot of work here. Yeah. And she has like three different real time sex scenes with the guy who wrote, produced, directed, scored, and edited the movie. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, you're paying some actress to just give you like lap dances. And we see all of it. Unless (laughs) Unless <laughs> you too. watched Road to Revenge, which is only 70 minutes long because 28 minutes of uh, yeah honeymoon sex. If there's if that's all you've seen, you there's more to see. But from second one of this movie, it feels so perfectly homemade that like we get a full title track to Champagne and Bullets. Yeah, which Man. sounds like we find out at the end of the credits that. John D. Hart composed, wrote, and sang most of these songs. Yes. And he does not sing on this one, but it's like a Greg kind band riff of breakup <laughs> song. You know, they don't write them like that. Except it never gets to the hook. It's just like the da 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 da-da-da-da-da. And the songwriter was only given the words champagne and bullets. Yeah. And they're like, can you write a song about that? And so the song is you're going to sound like, oh, well, you're just teasing it because you don't know the real lyrics of the song. But the song is literally like, drinking champagne and firing guns. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> it's, like, it's all like, loving you until the break of dawn. Like, it sounds like they had a riff written, and they were just like, yeah, just, sh- just say lyrics kind of in tune. It's kind of like the uh, Super Mario RPG. <laughs> it's them just doing like, all right, well, here's the Greg kind riff, and just sing stuff about firing guns and drinking champagne and like. Hitting, so I hitting gotta know was
1: was this song in the original cuts that were just called Get Even or Oh I don't Road know No I don't think so because when if I've... you've got Champagne and Bullets as a title Yeah 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 like why are, why are the other cuts called Get
0: Even Get Even and Road to Revenge Well mo- I think the most and generic. I think Champagne and Bullets is is the last cut. Right, like that's the newest yeah, version. Yeah, that's the restored HD version. I think, So uh, like
1: even in his original vision, <laughs> DeHart is just like, it's called Get Even because he gets And there's even. no space between Get
0: Even yeah. and it's just, and everybody calls it Get Even. Get Even. We, uh, <laughs> well, we, we checked out the other versions real quick. Yeah, yeah. Remember Road to Revenge starts with that really cool lethal weapon. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Text yeah. opening. Yeah, every version has a totally different opening. And and Get Even has like a handheld shot of them just holding a camcorder outside of a car while they drove down Beverly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're showing Man's Chinese Theater. <laughs> just right. like filming. Tons so of people tourists. that never signed waivers just wound up in the credits of uh, uh, Get Even, which that's I love. So cool. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just, we open with that DEA bust where it looks like real guns are firing. You get a lot of guys in a great tweaker trailer. A lot of really wiry 140-pound tweakers.
1: LAPD out in the woods of
0: Virginia. Yeah, they're filming that up at Chatsworth, I think. They aren't (laughs) filming that in L.A. proper. They went north up five a little bit. Yeah, Chatsworth. we, We set up the whole story of this movie where these three cops... These three boys in blue. Do we working set up the, the story? <laughs> all right, when you watch Champagne and Bullets. Because when you watch the story all three- really jumps.
1: This is a jumping, <laughs> like, a- this is, like, ten years later. You know, know,
0: now that I've watched Champagne and Bullets and Get Even and Road to Revenge and listened to the Heart commentary <laughs> track, <laughs> Eric I'm familiar with the story <laughs> of, uh, of Champagne and Bullets. No, really, what happened was... But these... Uh, these guys really seem like they're playing cops and robbers because, like you said, Wings Hauser gets shot, and he's like a mid-tier level Civil War reenactment guy <laughs> who's just kind of holding a mildly red palm over his sweater, just being like, ah, shit. Right. Like, like I'm down. He's like, you guys, come on. I'm
1: the guy that gets shot in the Civil War days
0: reenactment. Yeah, I'm the guy that gets shot minute one. I got, <laughs> shot, I, I got dressed and drove 90 uh, minutes to be oh here. Oh, no, I'm shot. But it, and William Smith is, like, barking these great orders, and oh it's a God. great scene. And it
1: just hangs on him while he barks them three or four times in yeah, a Yeah, there's not a
0: lot of cuts. We have weirdly <laughs> seen a lot of William Smith. I said, hold
1: your position. <laughs> Says it about nine times. So... It's like it's like in Action USA where it's like yeah. diamonds,
0: <laughs> but they didn't
1: cut. That's what I was gonna say, man, it's like say diamonds nine times, Dude. diamonds, 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 and they're like, "We'll use the best cut." This one, he's like, "Say hold your position nine times." <laughs> we'll will
0: use the whole reel. That's ins- right? So William Smith is this guy. He was on L- Laredo. Man, Laredo Laredo went like five seasons. This is a real actor. Yeah, Laredo went... And stuntman. He was on the the debut of Rockford Files, man. Right. When they needed a guy for Jim Rockford to kick his ass, they're like, get the biggest, coolest fucker you can get. Get William Smith. One of the best
1: fight scene actors of all time. Ever. Right? Hands down. And when he is finally in a fight scene... Does pretty good, but this movie is the worst fight scenes. So fighting in this you have movie. You've ever seen, man. like, did they not, like, William Smith's like, if you pay me, I'll help you with these fight scenes, but. Yeah, man. I mean, not William Smith. Me for that. So we
0: saw King of the Fight scene, William Smith, was also a lot of 1970 to 1979 William Smith. This That's is true. like 1993, Smith. That's the true. guy's in his mid 50s. This but is post action. But even USA. then, I have seen William Smith throw so many punches at men in movies that were clearly like, that guy got tagged. <laughs> that guy got yeah. hit. Right.
1: The one thing D. Hart on his set is like, no violence. Whatever we do in this action movie, <laughs> I don't want any shots, violence.
0: These shots were so pulled. Do you remember how long the William Smith uh, Clint Eastwood fight was in any which way you can oh. these guys kicked each other's dicks around town man, <laughs> falling through walls remember that other fight? God, I don't even remember that uh... we, we, we've through seen so closet, many Will- right? yeah dude, yeah. we've seen so William Smith punch out so many guys and these shots John DeHart hangs these boys out to dry <laughs> cause William Smith and Wings Hauser got great form on a lot of their punches when Wingshauser elbow back elbows a cop in that courtroom scene, but he provides no sound effects <laughs> for any of these things. Okay, and so you get these empty. This is a man who insists John De Hart insists on blaring a score to this movie over loudly over every piece of dialogue, I was gonna say, he, and he can't give any of his boys like a little like he thigh spent, slap on he a punch. He spent
1: all the money on the camera equipment because yeah. he has one mic in every scene
0: it sounds like one and, audio track and yeah.
1: if william smith is testifying falsely against wingshauser and john d hart yeah then you hear the judge in the background like that's enough what do you have what do you say next and then william <laughs> smith is here in the mic right here and then <laughs> and then da, 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 da. i mean we've all i've had never this... i've never seen that in a movie i've never seen like the background actor be off mic yeah man in the movie right In the movie, the background actor is (laughs) on the other side of the room, off mic. I mean, that's the great part. They don't
0: ADR that in? That's the great part of our kind of like trip (sighs) through through movies, right? Hurts. Like you and I both hit that like you and I became kind of film independent when in our teens. Yeah, yeah. We were good about kind of going out of our zone in the video store. We were watching, you know, a Fellini and Truffaut when, when we were in our, you know, and they we make discovered it so the Criterion seamless. collection in our yeah. night in our teens. <laughs> and uh we used, to, you know, I'm sure Plymouth both of us. rock used to landed look, on us. <laughs> yeah. We looked down on this lesser form of cinema. And then I'm just like <laughs> Man, you remember that fucking scene with William Smith and Rod Taylor in Darker than Amber? Remember those <laughs> guys breaking each other's fucking collarbones for 3 minutes fu- fighting each other in hotel yeah. rooms? And remember how good it sounded?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Cuz
0: these guys were
1: fist to both we didn't know how good we had it. Yeah, man. In these simple TV these scenes teens. and these uh, yeah, just any professionalism who can make a sound sound like it's supposed to sound yeah. on the f- on the screen. We got
0: spoiled. That's uh, that's what we're missing here. Yeah. And once we go to this failed DEA bust, where William Smith says the same line about a dozen times, and we yeah. do a flash forward one year later.
1: <laughs> Everything is a flash forward. There's a lot of
0: flash forwards. They do not catch you up. They're like, you'll get it. <laughs> you'll get it.
1: <laughs> John, He's driving a limo because he got fired. Come on, guys. Follow me here. I mean,
0: one <laughs> of the joys about... What we love about movies is a guy like John Carpenter, who we, you know, he's our he's the head of our Mount Rushmore, yeah. right? What we love about him is that he has made all of the movies that he wanted to make as a kid. He's yeah, made yeah, his yeah. westerns. He's made his sci-fi. He's made every goopy, gloppy, great western, great ghost story, great everything that he could make as a filmmaker. And John D. Hart seems to be the guy He's like, I got money, I don't want to do this, I want to do this, I want to include every idea I've ever had that I enjoy in a movie. You can't deny that this guy is making the movie that he wants to see. Whether that product has, you know, might not have the same level of craftsmanship that Mm -hmm. John Carpenter does. You can make the argument that John DeHart doesn't quite have Carpenter's eye. He doesn't quite have that mise-en. <laughs> I could make that argument. You could make the I argument could. that he doesn't quite know his
1: mise-en scene. I think I could make the argument that he didn't want to make a movie. You know? Beyond but it, just like having the blonde girl that he liked in the 70s grind on him in a hot tub.
0: But like, you know, Mac and Dennis and Always Sunny make their fake lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. John D. Hart's like, I could make kind of lethal weapon. He made a Bronson movie with none of the skills or professionalism that is afforded Charles Bronson. Yeah, yeah. And once we, dude, that opening DEA scene ends with D-Hart kneeing William Smith in the groin. <laughs> and it looks faker than the groin that, like, uh, in Young Frankenstein, when he knees that dude, yeah. right? The patient with Gene Wilder knees that dude. You mother grabbing. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cut up to this beautiful close-up of William Smith's crotch and John DeHart's knee flying like a <laughs> foot to the right of his groin. And you just get this like, <gasps> "Yeah, It is you and y- Dude, I said, me and my buddy Randy Bitzer, full name. <laughs> we used to spend Saturday afternoons playing Beastie Boys Sabotage. Mm. Filming, having a guy film us rolling over like a couch. Knocking through trash cans in Randy's mom's car that <laughs> we should not have been driving at our age. Wearing fake mustaches we got at the dollar that store. much cooler than anything that happened in this movie. There was so little difference between Randy and I's sabotage <laughs> and this DEA bust. Exactly. <laughs> Except the only difference is real guns.
1: Well, and then it's like Normad gets mad that he gets kneed in the groin. So he... Falsely testifies that they're both <laughs> drug dealers. William
0: Smith sets up Hauser and D Hart in as the them- very next scene. The very next scene.
1: But don't worry, guys, because William Smith will eventually be found out to be a cult leader He's who a loves Satan. He loves Satan. Who stabs a baby to death. Love that. He also uh, within a year. Love ha- he having that yeah. There's the a baby
0: murder. There's also within a year. He also res- uh, rises to the position of judge. He becomes a judge. He's a judge who Which also has a side to. hustle as a Satan cult leader. And,
1: yeah, cocaine dealer. The guy gets busted on that rock. Every scene, he is something else in this movie. It's incredible. You and every see- scene, Wings Hauser is the same person getting crazier and crazier, Dude. and no one is helping him. He admits to just being totally fucked in that bar when he yeah, does man. the best scene of this movie where he tells the guys, rule number one, <laughs> rule number two, I forgot. Rule number three, it's like one of those, and then, like, you like, he really is drunk. He's, I mean, just he's drunk.
0: A, he's a great actor. The character of Ramrod <laughs> in, actor. in uh, you know, Morgan Freeman got an Oscar nomination for playing, you know, in that Christopher Reeve movie. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. You know, and the he's pip. great in it. And he's incredible. Yeah. Wings Hauser is Ramrod in Vice Squad, man. He's like going after a woman with an unfolding a clothes hanger. And this is like this is insane. This man's this man's the craziest man I've ever seen. So, you know, we've seen too many great Wings Hauser. He can be like Bugs Bunny. Like yeah. a sadistic Bugs Bunny. This guy's crazy. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> and yeah. Champagne and Bullets Wings Hauser. I was again expecting like two scenes of this. It's a guy.
1: sadistic Bugs Bunny on a home video camera. Dude, man. In someone's basement drinking
0: too much. This is in the afternoon. This is this is no hyperbole, one of my favorite Wings Hauser scenes. This is uncut Wings, man. <laughs> this is uncut. He plays Henry Finney, who they all call Huck. Huck, Huck Finney. Huck Finney. Fuck
1: yes. Dude starts a cult based
0: on Huck. On Finn the by principles the end of, this movie. of Huck Finney. Dude, this is an incredible Wings Hauser. And just like I love Dean Martin in The Cannonball Run, and I make the jokes that it is a great sure. method performance as a deeply alcoholic man. <laughs> I've never seen a man more drunk in a movie than Dean Martin in the Cannonball Run. Yeah. Except for that drunk scene with Wings Hauser, which is also one, arguably the greatest scene in the movie. But also one of the best acting <laughs> scenes of Hauser's career. Albert Finney, you know, has got an Oscar for uh, Under the Volcano. Dudley Moore gets an Oscar for Arthur playing a drunk. Wings Hauser's doing it for like three thousand bucks to get out of a fucking legal fee. Because <laughs> who knows what John D. Hart had on Wings to be like? So not only do I want you in this movie, you're also going to have to carry this movie. And he yeah. does, man. It was yeah. Knowing that this is a Wings Hauser. Knowing Houser that D. Hart was a showcase. lawyer.
1: Yeah, definitely some red flags there. But yeah, Wings gives it everything. There's a scene where he drinks bleach and it. Maybe yep. the best shot of the whole movie is Wings with his arms up in the jail cell. Yeah. Like, almost a little Hannibal Lecter style. It was very,
0: yeah, it was very splayed, like, And yeah.
1: then, uh, yeah, then, like, the custodian's like, what's up, bro? <laughs> in the jail. Dude. What and I'm... then he, just, like, fakes drinks of this bleach, and he's like, whoa, bro, dude,
0: <laughs> don't do that. Guard. I mean, bro. Wing, Wings Hauser. one of the great things is and the, all these... And Wings is talking to a nun in the... Alright, no, no, we'll we'll get to we'll get I mean, So Wings Hauser is above like, all what I love. So many of these gorgeous <laughs> actors, these character actors that we love are dudes that grew up in, you know, like Idaho. Yeah. Guys like Kurtwood Smith, who are like, Well, I was born in the Dakotas and then I uh, mm-hmm. became one of the most iconic TV sitcom characters for 250. Years. It's all those guys. Wingshauser was born in Hollywood, baby. Mm-hmm. This guy is and we get that great element of his surfer voice in so many of these scenes when he's just drunk at the bar going like, right? I mean, right?
1: Just no, him. hear me out, bro. When
0: he's like getting bailed out of jail, he's like, let me tell you something, bro. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Our first the scene...
1: scene where we spend 10 minutes with... Mo the bail, the bail bondsman. bondsman. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Hey, I'm Mo. I love this job. Let's see what we got. What's the what's the information? Let's fill out I'm filling a, out my. A chart. I gotta
0: film out my 1020 in real then, time. And then Tarantino took the idea of Mo and's like, but what if he was Max Cherry? What if, yeah, Max? Yeah, what if? But dude, William <laughs> Smith describing. So William Smith's a cool dude.
1: This guy's yeah. a badass, Undeniable.
0: dude, right? But. There's a scene right in the beginning where it makes it sound like William Smith has never heard of the concept of drugs. <laughs> yeah. When he is describing to the judge what Wingshauser and John D. Hart have been up to, and he's like... Which is totally false, we know. Yeah. On, it's a total
1: lie. And he's like... It's total bullshit. Their uh, eyes were
0: small, <laughs> like they'd been doing drugs. <laughs> And the judge is like, what more did you see?
1: What more did you see? Yeah, From the back off, of the room. Off mic. Well, tell me in detail yeah. what you saw.
0: It sounds like a guy like reading lines with somebody. It's insane. What more did you see? <laughs> like you're giving the guy his cue. And he goes like, oh, uh, little bags of white powder, a uh, leafy substance in the a leaf, bag. Yeah, when he talks about the leafy substance. Dude, you Perfect. talk about uh, guys yelling things off camera. I remember in college watching uh, John Waters movies with my buddy James. And when Edie in her crib is like repeating lines that she flubbed just in the same take. When you know you're working with an actor bad enough that you're like, that's the best take we're going to get. Leave it in. Keep rolling. Leave it in. I love that shit, man. So hearing a guy off camera, and we will get later to the greatest off camera role in a movie that I've ever seen. Mm. You know about it. But one thing I love, we there's been some movies with iconic. I supplied my own clothes, fashion. Like I love, bridges in Lebowski. Sure. Just wearing his jelly sandals. Yeah, yeah. And his yeah. now iconic Pendleton, cardigan, <laughs> the Lebowski sweater. You know, Wings Hauser. I almost wore that today. This <laughs> there you go. I yeah, you wore got my one, right? Pendleton, yeah, now. you got it. It's gorgeous. Wings Hauser. This movie, every scene is this new, incredible take on what if we got to see more Robert De Niro, fresh out of prison, outfits in Cape <laughs> Fear.
1: <I laughs> Winkhauser,
0: the the like, he looks the outfit he's wearing in his court case is like what Tom Noonan's wearing is the red dragon. Yeah, His like polyester shirt tucked into his tan slacks. Yeah, and,
1: everything gets worse and worse. It's like denim with the 10 gallon hat he's dressed by the, the end he's
0: dressed like huck finn he's wearing the straw hat with his jeans rolled up he to buys his into knees his own bullshit He, he dressed his... like a
1: zen master at the at a funeral
0: scene dude his his <laughs> wedding suit is yes, the ugliest yes, yes. suit i have ever seen his it's you know like he brought that from home dude his what that's 1993 suit is in the a suit. shittiest brown i have ever <laughs> yes. seen that is the but it totally fits for the time that Absolutely. suit is the most distractingly brown suit like when you picture the growth if you said hey man picture the color brown now make it disgusting right and you picture this suit which he has a huge distracting corsage and the background of the wedding scene Wingshauser acts like a man who doesn't know he's on camera <laughs> he he's does. so he's like a fidgety five-year-old he's desperate for Anything interesting to do? Yeah, with this he's movie. like stomping his feet and like, like looking in the at background. the
1: background. Sun, he's staring at the sun. He's yeah, he's doing his like, own thing. All those because all those he old... never got direction. He probably was like, "What do I do in this scene?" And John's like, "I don't know. Do whatever you, you just want. I don't I'm, you I'm keep, the one who's in know, focus."
0: You keep making two hearts sound like <laughs> I don't know, but I don't <laughs> make I the movie. Instead, you are giving him too much credit because he talks like an alien man who's just learning English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And trying to blend in at like a fish concert. I, I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to be like, maybe he's just like
1: a simple Midwestern guy who when he learns that his ex-girlfriend now kind of reuniting girlfriend is like, yeah, I was in the room when they stabbed a baby to death. He's like, oh, don't, I told you, don't Things worry. Things are going to be all right. I
0: told you, don't worry. Well, we we when we're she's, okay. One of the greatest lines in a. This is one of those, so there's like two lines in Champagne and Bullets where if they were in a Shane Black movie, mm-hmm. they would be iconic lines. Like people would, qu- these would be great done by, you're picturing Samuel Jackson doing one of these lines. One of the <laughs> funniest lines in a movie that almost any funny line gets tanked by John D. Hart oh, because yeah. he has no idea how to pay off a punchline, no idea to like nail any any landing, Right. But when you are right, yes. When his <laughs> girlfriend is telling him about to tell him that she's witnessed a baby murder by a cult of satanists and he's like and she says someone like you have no idea what I've seen. He goes, "I have some idea." <laughs> when she says, "No, you really don't." And he just goes, well, "Maybe I don't." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Maybe you're right. He immediately was just like, "Oh shit. All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> what do you got?" But dude, once we open with uh William Smith getting th- telling the flimsiest story of why these This is like the worst way for Vic Mackey and Shane to get brought down by some guy just being like, well, those cops were doing drugs and the judge is like, all right, take their badge please describe how they did
1: the drugs in detail Well they one took a nostril <laughs> and he put his hand next to the nostril <laughs> and then he put a he rolled up a make he put that next to the nostril with his hand and then the other hand, <laughs> no, this is hold on the other. <laughs> the judge is going, hey, sure, shut sure. Up, you. Hey, you and then up. yeah, once the judge goes, and yeah, wings that is off, like drugs. wings is off camera. You're full of shit, man. And, and, no, hold and on, he, and, and wings was, punches a cop with no was, sound effect. <laughs> just like get to the
0: fucking point. <laughs> <laughs> what we did, Champagne Bullets is by far the longest cut of this movie. Oh, and by you know far. what? My favorite cut of Blood Simple, maybe my favorite movie, is. The original cut, because the director's cut is five minutes shorter, and it trims some of the bullshit. Mm. I want the shit. Yeah. Apparently, I, John D. Hart left a, a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor, which is shocking. I hate that. I hate <laughs> to hear it. shocking, right? I hate to hear it. <laughs> but I how hate many, to hear it. How many yeah. things, how many
1: just diatribes did wings have to go off on in right? a bar? How much uncut, uncut wings is out there, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I've never watched the two and a half hour version of shot on video movie Sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like that it's out there. I like that it exists just God out bless. there, and I can think about it existing, and maybe I'll watch it one day. Right? Maybe not. Probably not. <laughs> no, probably. But not. it's out there. We're good. But once D Hart and Wings lose their jobs, these guys are roommates. These are like fifty-year-old roommates. (laughs) This is cool, fifty-year-old roommates. Everything
1: about D Hart is like your dad's friend. It's just like watching like a like a distant uncle star in a
0: movie this guy's a he's fucked like up yeah i
1: share man. a room with <laughs> wings.
0: <laughs> your d heart voice is terrible your d heart voice sounds like hey this,
1: Buy yourself no, a per- no, 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 like no, it's man. like david lynch is like making fun of himself like you by yourself like a personality who, who the voice you're doing is whoever
0: did the gerald ford voice on the simpsons i drink beer homer don't do the fake Gerald All right. Ford voice. Don't we'll do the Gerald Ford When voice. This is some of the best Wingshauser, man. When it cuts to them after they lose their cop jobs and they're just kind of sitting around, like, fucking around. And <laughs> yeah. Wingshauser... So Wait, John which DeHart-
1: scene are they fucking around? Oh, yeah. This yeah. is the only scene, One of right? the
0: 15, yeah. DeHart's wearing this USA tracksuit. Yeah. Insanely soft, cozy velour. Looks good. John, his outfits in this are... Absurd, man. <laughs> this guy, you know, these were all this guy's own clothes. One of the lines from the commentary track, when the guy asks him about his leather suit that he wears to the cowboy bar in his own house, oh yeah, <laughs> D Hart just goes, "Yeah, I was wearing a lot of leather then." <laughs> oh, no! his suit that he chauffeurs we in all? is like these, like if you wearing if they made Zubaz pants but out of black leather. You know, they were like A.C. Slater, high waist, tapered at the ankle, but he was wearing like a bomber jacket unzipped to the navel with the elbows pushed up, with driving gloves with the knuckles punched out. It was (laughs) such a like black leather outfit on like a 55-year-old lawyer. And then also just kind of stare blankly uh,
1: (laughs) above the camera while you shuffle around in your rendition of <laughs> the boots <around> <laughs> Okay. So, Everyone loves this guy. One, <laughs> doing yeah, karaoke. Everybody's
0: favorite dude that shows up to town. That's a, yeah. Wingshauser's outfits. That outfit where he's firing guns at the targets. He's wearing these short shorts. He's got white socks, socks all hiked up. He's got hiking boots. He's got like a tucked in Parker Lewis can't lose shirt. Oh my God. He's got a sun umbrella, like a parasol. Yes, dude, just cracking beers, holding the finger between, holding the cigarette between the middle <laughs> fingers. That's a fucking alpha move, right? I don't know. It's one finger slot over, totally but whenever insane. a guy's, whenever a guy's totally holding insane. that cigarette between the the middle and the ring finger, already it's like, all right, this guy's a, this guy's probably served in the, the military. Well, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> kind of weird prison tattoos does this dude have? Right? right? There's something about it. Right? Wings is just a guy that can. Oh, he seems he's super charming. If this guy comes
1: at me on the street, I cross the this street. Guys, scary man. This is a scary dude.
0: Why are we so, why are you and I so attracted to these character actors like Joe Spinell who are just the creepiest version of charmer? Yeah. Joe, you remember Bill Lustig's told you and me personally like how many women Joe Spinell well, got, the thing. right? Yeah. I'm sure Wings, you know Wings Hauser just could the clean nicest up, guy, right?
1: Right. Right? It it's something about yeah, knowing these guys can be just totally unhinged on <laughs> yeah. camera, but then you're like, no. But he wasn't just doing that. Like, I love the idea that Wings is like a total profesh, right? Just and a cool dude. He's like, all right, well, John, uh, I've been at this a couple of weeks now. What do you th- when when do you think this movie will get a plot?
0: Yeah, can you picture? I just well, love- Wings. I I need you
1: to be. Uh, just I a little bit. You to be. I need you to be more drunk than you want to be in the afternoon, and you're gonna threaten this man in pink, and this gonna man be in hard fringe.
0: daylight, and you are gonna be sun drunk, and Wing's man. Like, Well, okay, John, I'll I mean, do it. Uh, yeah, we, we are friends. You think, we so? You agreement. think Wings Hauser is being like, "What's my motivation?" Yeah, in this next scene,
1: like, well, you've, your wife is after you for the alimony. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that scene. I mean,
0: that's the thing we talk. Yeah. We've talked about some truly like unhinged lunatic performances on this show. One of our favorites, Richard Lynch. Mm. Richard Lynch is like a theater-trained professional who retired in Palm Springs. You know, this guy is not actually, even though he looks like a man who's got crazy burn scars, he's portrayed the most. Heinous men on dude film. Ever, right? Yeah, he's a he's a professional who shows up and knows how to do his job, and right. he just knows. But sometimes they're Robert
1: Shaw or Oliver Reed, where they're legit drunks. Yeah, man. Who,
0: you know, <laughs> yeah, loose cannon on <laughs> set, and you film, and you hope just be you get doing the their takes, thing, right? Yeah. And Wings Hauser already feels like he crosses lines in some of his movies. When you're seeing a, a movie like this. We've talked before, one of our one of the things we love about shot on video, a movie like Black Past. Oh, man. Remember when you and I saw Black Past at I like can't, 2 a.m.? I, I can never forget. Right? Scars. This movie is so deep. cheap, but somewhere there's a man named Olaf Ittenbach who had a vision to make the goriest, most flinching shot on video gore ever. Yeah. And something about the cheapness of the movie is so much scarier because you're just like, I think that guy got his dick nailed to a board. <laughs> like, how did they fake that? Right. That scene in Dead Dawn when he's sewing up a knife wound, it's like, well, everything else has looked kind of cheap, but that wound looks so real. Yeah, I think this guy just sliced his hand open for the shot. You know, Wingshauser blurs so much of that fourth wall in this movie. Because it feels like friends making a movie, that it just keeps adding to his performance. Yeah, and the whole time, the star, the producer, the writer, the director, the hero, the coolest guy in town, is the most hauntingly alien man you have ever come across.
1: It's like a he's ghost E.T. man walking among people. So and and yeah, everyone's just like I. I love you John D. Hart I
0: love you John D. Hart you're the coolest you're so great Rick you're so cool
1: why did I ever let you get away Pamela
0: Bryant puts a lot into this role this is tough because so many times she is. John D. Hart is the answer of how does an actor act when he has nothing to react from Mm. because John D. Hart does not understand how humans react to each other when Pamela Bryant tells yeah. her that she witnessed a baby murder, he sells it by like looking down at his buttons and then looking immediately up and going, "What else?" Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, go on, you got literally. my attention. Uh-huh. But and then when, when him and Hauser are getting all dolled up to go to Cowboy Night with wings, in his pants while watching soaps in his underwear, oh wearing his cowboy shirt, I'm positive that's the same cowboy hat he wore as Ramrod. Same white hat, studded, yeah, band. I mean, I yeah, as much as I've shit on this movie, if I die
1: and I wake up and I'm in a room with Wings Hauser ironing his pants in his underwear with a cowboy (laughs) hat and a beer, I'm okay, man. You're cool, man. I'm good. (laughs) I'm so great. That was like a happy place. Yeah. There's (laughs) such a fun line.
0: When they show up to that cowboy bar in John DeHart's basement with his Miss Pac-Man video game and... uh, there's, I love this. John DeHart tanks it. it. That's the kind of one of the few moments of humanity he shows this movie is when he laughs at this line. When Hauser's already talking up a couple of chicks at the bar. And he goes, hey, I'm going to get you a drink. Hey, what do you want to drink, buddy? And he goes, I'll have a beer, buddy. He goes, you want a beer, buddy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Removes the comma and John DeHart kind of laughs goes, yeah, beer, buddy. <laughs> These guys, they're vibing. Man, <laughs> they're just vibing, buddy. I love it. Just keep
1: it rolling. Keep it rolling. I got the money.
0: (laughs) When Wingshauser convinces John DeHart to do the shimmy slide in front of everybody. Oh, my God. The shimmy slide is a a moment in a movie that'll make it famous. This is the trailer you show. This is probably why people remembered this movie. When the shimmy slide got uploaded to some god on YouTube Mm -hmm. a decade ago, that's the stuff of legend. You cannot... We've seen so many Adult Swim brands of comedy that just try and recreate the magic of something like... Something... Old guy does something weird. Yeah. Something Like. like the shimmy slide can only happen purely organic. It was funny when you showed up to the American Idol auditions and purposely sang bad. Right, right. That's funny. But did you write an original song and also write into the plot of your movie that not only is your original song cool but also everybody thinks it's cool and they remember it and it's like a cool thing that everybody knows about you they're like sing you...
1: the shimmy slide do it song. john
0: you got to sing the, the shimmy song slide you sing. the thing that you have to get talked into doing yeah. the bit come on people are waiting and then do it as if you've
1: never done it before and also there's a camera on you so you're self aware <laughs> so
0: i listen to the audio commentary okay of john dehart who is aware that the internet knows about the shimmy slide? Okay. He is. N- he understands so it's not what, a what is happening. To him. Right? It's yeah. not like a. I don't see what the fuss is about. And <laughs> the reason he gives sounds both legitimate, mm-hmm. but also begs a second, more important question. So what he says and the way he points out specific details makes it sound like. Okay, he's probably telling the truth. Nevertheless, (laughs) he claims he suffered a very serious back injury, Mm. which he also gives as a reason for his bad fight movements during his fight scenes, because he could barely move. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, the way he describes his embarrassment during the shimmy slide scene is that he was on a lot of Percocets. And he's like, normally I am a very decent dancer, but I could only move left to right. But the two questions that begs is, why did you insist on filming it that day? Yeah. And how many Percocets were you on for the rest of the movie? Mm. If this can be explained away by Percocets, then you were been abusing back pills for a decade. At this point, you are Chevy Chase. Taking his back medicine. And maybe if you're a
1: 55-year-old lawyer, you don't star yourself in an action movie in which you have it to requires do requires a lot of physicality. Scenes. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of physicality in- Maybe you just write, in- write, produce, and direct the movie, and you get someone who knows what they're doing to
0: star in the movie, and it's a big fucking deal. I mean, some of the magic of cinema is that everyman quality. That they do a very difficult. Them, that they do yeah. a difficult thing and make it feel relatable to you, right? Charles Bronson and Clint Eastwood were doing Death Wish and, and of uh, course in Dirty Harry movies into their mid. Bronson and, was and Bruce 70, Willis was right? supposed to be the everyman in Die Hard. Yeah. yeah, I get that. And so Bronson is this old guy. <laughs> They're act- but Bronson and actors. Clint Eastwood are two of the most in-shape 55-and-up-year-old yeah. men you will ever meet in your Guys life. Guys who rode horses professionally on camera in their <laughs> 20s. It's cool Westerns. that Bronson seems like just a dude and that Eastwood seems like a guy that pounds cans of Olympia all day. Yeah. like It's cool that Mick Jagger seems like a guy who just fucks and does cocaine. Mick Jagger also jogs 12 miles every day. Right. These guys are insane athletes it's to be doing the an shit accident. they do, right? Yeah. John D. Hart is like a lawyer with money who like hurt his back. Who <laughs> hurt his back making a movie because this shit's tough. Yeah. Right? And uh the shimmy slide, man, it is the stuff a legend. If every other scene in this movie had been unwatchably had no entertainment. Unwatchable's a uh, uh, that's an objective term to use. We watched it. We I enjoyed it. it. You I enjoyed the to experience.
1: It. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I if if we were not watching this as a group, I don't know if I would have finished this movie.
0: But it's I it's
1: the perfect movie to watch with a group to yeah. have fun with your friends on that level. Total success.
0: I mean, I kind of have a rule if there's a, an actor that I hold to the regard of William Smith or Wingshauser, sure. Hauser like I seek out these guys yeah, at this point, you know. So absolutely. I would have watched it through just to see them. It so was. I would have. It, it
1: was liked. an entertaining experience. I'm not saying we were like grinding our teeth, this hating is a, this. We were laughing. Yeah, we were enjoying ourselves. I think an
0: important disclaimer is that I actually hate bad movies. I don't mm-hmm. really buy into the concept of so bad it's good. Right. The, right. I exactly. hate that. I've watched a lot of movies that were supposed to be so bad that they were good, and it turns out a lot of them are just bad. Yeah, I don't yeah. get entertained by bad stuff like Birdemic or Shark- <laughs> Sharknado Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, these are just bad, and some of them are made bad on purpose, and that's kind of like you're winking at me, and I just I'm not entertained by bad. You know, Glitter, the Mariah Carey story. That's a bad movie. You know what? It's not. It's not entertaining. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bad movie. Exactly. We were entertained. Champagne as a group and Bullets, watching Cruel this. Jaws, Phobe. These are bad movies, but they're. How bad can something really be if they bring this much They bring joy, some right? joy to you. Yeah. Champagne and Bullets is a 100 minute movie. A lot of screen time to fill. The v- new Venom movie is 100 minutes. Piece of shit. <laughs> Fucking hated that movie. Had the worst time go. of my movie movie going year this year watching Venom. Un unwatchable shit. Champagne and Bullets filled the screen time. I laughed my ass off to this. Exactly. And the shimmy and the slide. Is one of those things that you can try as hard as you might. The most brilliant, bad-on-purpose stuff, maybe you'll get to too many cooks. Right. Maybe you'll get to that level, right? But Shimmy Slide is just this beautiful blend of narcissism, ineptitude, and insistence (laughs) on making something. The second that song starts, where a band... Filled with a lot of First Nation guitar players. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, there's seven Native Americans in this that bar a packed stage. <laughs> like there's a loud, full band in this in dude's there. basement. I don't think there is anything if you've if you're I, unfamiliar with Champagne and Bullets and you're somehow an hour deep into a podcast about it. Oh my it, God, we've been talking so long about <laughs> We're it. We're twelve <laughs> minutes into this movie. This know. is gonna be longer than the killing of a Chinese <laughs> This Sucks. This is the shittiest. <laughs> oh man, we'll have to do a quick fast forward to the end of on this one. But <laughs>
1: seriously, I, I mean, like just looked at the time. I was like, "Holy fucking we are shit!"
0: Digging so deep, so unnecessarily deep,
1: dude. And he's got to do the shimmy shake for the seven people. We're yeah, eventually going to do it.
0: some like incredible movie like Don't Look Now or Women in Love. And it's going to be like a 35 minute episode. Exactly. And we're entering hour two <laughs> of Champagne and Bullets, like hitting the ground running. We haven't gotten into even the fucking Satan cult we saying,
1: We love Satan. We haven't gotten into Scar. Yeah. We Jeez, love you, Satan. No, it's We love you, Satan. We love you, we you Satan. Love, we
0: love you, Satan. Sail, yeah. Satan, Satan, huh? Hey. Like you're trying to get his attention at a con? Oh hey, God. Satan, over here, right? We it's love you, okay, Cindy. Whatever you did, Don't, it's okay. He is not, David Lynch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, the shim- kind of, but like if David Lynch had put himself in a cop takes action movie. Oh, man. I like mean, he, he's done this, he right? He would have done better. I mean, But yeah. <laughs> the shimmy
0: in the slide, John DeHart is a man who's insisted on putting about six original compositions in this movie where he kind of oh. does this. He does like an Elvis croon, but oh, it yeah. sounds, instead of an, the way an Elvis croon sounds, it's more like if a man had seen an Elvis croon done by like Michael Scott doing of Elvis impression right and then he saw a presentation on a guy doing a Steve Carell impression he's like I think I have an idea what Elvis sounds like mm-hmm. and he sings it with the most unblinking <laughs> crazed look on his face when you get up to do karaoke and you've kind of done something funny like I bet I can get a crowd going if I, like I've I've done uh, Take On Me at a wedding. Okay. Got the whole crowd singing the... You know, it kills. There's certain things that are going to kill, right? I've seen too many cruise ship karaoke versions of Garth Brooks' Friend in Low Places. Oh, boy. People love that shit, right? When everybody's saying, get up there, John, do your thing... And he fixes his eyes on that camera, (laughs) looking as bug-eyed and crazy as that dad in the like, I learned it from watching you commercial, right? right. And he starts into the shimmy slide. It's insane, man. Nothing can prepare you for this song. And Nothing. everyone is just like,
1: "Yeah, alright, he's doing it." And Yeah, the whole time he's looking at the cameraman, going, "Are we getting this? Are we
0: getting this? You got this? You got As this?" he's Going, suddenly <laughs> several people are line dancing in the in the place.
1: Oh my god, the line dance!
0: Wings Hauser takes a girl over. You knew it's this basement because there's like a like a house fireplace. Yeah, I love that. Shit, man. <laughs> Wings is like dancing with a line with a girl in front of the fireplace, man. But John DeHart's monotone reading of shimmy slide when he just i think the moment for me the most iconic moment of this movie is the key change in (laughs) shimmy slide because it's not so much of a key change as him beginning to shout yeah (laughs) Yeah, and so suddenly you're doing this like song where everybody's dying of laughter because you can't and then the key change happens and it's like All that happens is him going like, you're on fire when I grab you by the hand. And it's insane, man. And then the song just is, you're two minutes deep into the shimmy slide, right? And there's a guy doing kind of a boot scoot line dance that really knows what he's doing. It kind of looks good. And then you look back to John Hart just like... He looks like, like, there's like veins like bulging out of his head, and he it. looks like he's being forced to do this at gunpoint, and they're just like... He's like an ISIS hostage. Yeah, man. Just like. it's like, you know the guns are right off camera, and he's like, the second it seems to be widened down, and he's like, one more time, and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah.
1: Repeat it. He like... That's when I lost hope for the movie. That's when I was like, oh, no. Where I buy... In,
0: oh, you thought it was still like, they could get this back Maybe. on track.
1: Like, <laughs> so, rocky start. Ho- yeah, right, right, right. Tough start. Tough,
0: <laughs> tough opening 15. They, they could get this. So <laughs> you know, It's going to be like this the whole time. Oh, no. Where I oh, buy no. the bad backstory is... Before John DeHart runs the entire <laughs> song back, some people write three verses to a song. John DeHart wrote one, and then he's just like, "Let's one hit it more again. time, one more time." He gets this. He draws in a breath, like a man <laughs> who has such a bad back that he can't like bend down to pee. Like he can't even <laughs> lean his dick to the, like. So he draws in a breath before going. <laughs> oh, hot damn! And then he starts over, and it's just like, yeah, that guy probably has a pretty fucked back. Oh fuck! Like that's, you, so, we're old enough now, where some days you're like f- wake up feeling all like fresh and relaxed, and other times you're like, oh shit, I'm holding oh, yeah. my neck a certain way when I walk to the bathroom. You know, we're we're there. John Dehart, I I buy it. I it,
1: almost now like I want to picture him in that much pain when he's sitting in the hot tub, just getting. Danced on. Maybe
0: he wrote in some hot tub scenes because he's like, I need that lumbar (laughs) jets. (laughs) I need need those jets, jets. (laughs) because
1: all the love. You know what? Actually, we should be in the in the soft bed or the hot tub.
0: (laughs) We should do this in a lot of water. (laughs) We should fill most of the rest of this in water. Also, I'm going to work in some kind of stretching into my scenes. Like (laughs) he can't tote. Like there's a lot of recumbent John Hart scenes now. That's a lot of Pamela Bryant's acting because he is a super inactive bottom. During sex, he is not a power bottom. He is. She no, has no, to do sir. all the woman on top, and he is just like getting that lumbar jet.
1: No, he's just like, why did I ever leave you? I will recline now for the next five. Let me minutes. get recumbent. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I do your thing a- after <laughs> we, we keep- get. Getting- are we getting this? <laughs> it is,
0: a, you know we're into new levels of a vanity project when you are having yourself bedding a playmate yeah. yeah, while you sing your own love song over you getting, like, fucking. Yes. Once he's doing a, like, lovers in the night, you're just like, <laughs> well, we're doing it. Like, can you imagine making some, like like, hardcore at home with your wife and then no. being like, you know what? I think I should record a track of me singing over this over our over our sounds. But after he does the shimmy slide, that's when the so the movie already is just like I am not sure what this guy is capable of. This guy has ideas, and he is going to get them on screen. And also, I'm not sure what the plot of this
1: movie is yet. Like I said, once they've been fired, but they're kind of making a go of it as limo drivers
0: and bar keeps. Get Getivan and Road to Revenge, like. I get the plot. I see the full story. (laughs) You know, it's like one of those movies like Lebowski that has a complicated plot, and then you see it a second time, and you're like, oh, everything's bullshit. I just got to stare at Wings uh, making bad improv jokes at a bar. Right. But after uh, the shimmy slide, again, we've brought up Road to Revenge as like a 70-minute movie because they toned down a lot of the nudity and edited some scenes. We get a full, we get like three full striptease scenes. Yeah. And since they were filmed as 9093, this stripper in the bar, which is a guy filming a woman taking her clothes off in his basement mm-hmm. in front of people. <laughs> yep. Like this can't feel super legitimate for a lot of people working on this movie, but she's got one of those classic. 1993 long butts <laughs> it's a lot of long but it's this long but I, s- will,
1: I will say the most yeah misogynistic thing I've ever said a lot of good tits in this <laughs> movie. nice tits you know what the tits were on point if
0: you're gonna make them like there's some directors he's so, got the, he's sometimes got the eye sometimes you get a that. sense that a guy wants to show some tits in a movie and then the movie turns out to be like blood games <laughs> you're like well shit this right. guy made a masterpiece Ooh. wow and other times you make some tits. Like, this doesn't feel that far above like Captain Stabbing. Like a guy filming some fucking on a boat. Like, you're not that far off. Yeah, yeah. In the commentary, DeHart says, uh, This is going to blow your mind, man. Oh, no. This seed was originally going to be, and you know it's going to be real time. It was supposed to be a wet t shirt contest with 10 women. Oh, my God. 10 women. Let me tell you, man, John, I worked at the, the, the Fox. You remember the Fox, our local, the, the radio, Fox yeah, Rocks classic Rock radio. I worked for a year at the Fox mm. back in late 90s.
1: How many wet t-shirt contests?
0: I went to several wet t-shirt contests <laughs> at all of the cowboy bars in Sonoma oh County. God, you yeah. know what the most uncomfortable experience of my life was? getting all the girls at wet t-shirt conferences to remember to, like, sign in before Mm. they took their top off at Kodiak Jacks. (laughs) And this isn't far from that. They're awful. They're weird. You get MCs doing weird rhymes and puns and, like, let's give it up for Miranda, folks. Yeah, yeah. And this is all that. To know that John DeHart has footage. And the way he describes it, he's so, like, offhand about stuff. He's like, yeah, well, originally... I swear, this guy's, like... (laughs) love when you stop yourself.
1: (laughs) I'm so mystified by this guy. I swear. Hold on. Hold on.
0: (laughs) The audio commentary is great because it really makes DeHart come off like Detective Crashmore. (laughs) Just really talking about like, yeah, originally we filmed 10 women in a wet t-shirt scene. I swear to God. He says... But I think it takes away from a lot of the sensuality of the movie. Yes. This guy thinks he's the making artist. like art. Yeah. This guy's making that's, sensual That's art. the
1: room. That's why it is the room, because Tommy Wiseau thinks he's actually making a movie. It's when an, instead he's just filming himself being a cool dude. Yeah. It's on important camera.
0: That kind of open faced sincerity yeah. really floats some a project like this. A passion project, a vanity project, the biggest act well, what of narcissism. Do you think, what do you
1: think he's gonna say? Like, yeah, I convinced ten broads to take the top <laughs> sure, off. Sure, sure, sure. And I filmed it. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's this
0: always this weird like when you when you hear a filmmaker say something like that, there's always this implication mm-hmm. where he's like, well, the scene was originally supposed to be ten women in a in a wet t shirt contest. Believe it or not, I didn't end up using the footage. And you're like, where is that footage, man? <laughs> yeah. Where is that footage, JDH? Uh huh. But. We demand it. Yeah, so of course we get a lot of bar fights where it it is revealed that John DeHart has apparently never seen a man throw a punch in his life. (laughs) Weirdly contradicted by him working a heavy bag late in the movie like he's Mike Tyson. Oh my God. The one scene we get. What a shock! Okay,
1: so you might be thinking, Road to Revenge, I haven't heard anything about revenging in this movie yet. Oh, yeah. It's because the Road to Revenge starts an hour and 20 into this movie.
0: It starts in like the sixth act of a six-act movie. After
1: he's gotten together, back together with his ex-girlfriend, and he's just punting <laughs> that thing all over town. Yeah, man. And they're having all the sex you could want, and Dude, all the guys. sweets you could want, and then an hour 20, the... Let's see if I got this right. The ex, the former cop who set them up, turned judge, turned satanic cult leader, turned drug dealer, has his goons kill off him and the girlfriend. But they get the girlfriend an hour 20 into the movie. <laughs> get, yeah, and man. He goes on revenge. The road to revenge. One scene where he's boxing a, a heavyweight bag. Mm-hmm. The next scene... With
0: Wings Hauser coming in dressed like husband. With Finn. Wings
1: bringing in some sort of... Mache, paper mache model and then yeah the very next scene of him in his uh, sleeveless his, his tank his, his loose
0: tank. U-neck tank just yeah, yeah, bow yeah. and arrowing a real Venice beach tank as much champagne
1: as we get in this movie not what enough amount bu- of champagne a lot not of champagne. enough bullets not enough bullets we get a lot of arrows at the end this we... guy is a arrow enthusiast <laughs> and that has not been demonstrated for the first hour 20 of the movie but at the end,
0: using the bow and arrow. Ryan Rick Bodie contains multitudes. This is a complicated this man, man. Complicated man has. This is great. You couldn't write this kind of narcissism into a movie because <laughs> not only does he write like a full song, he writes himself, He writes himself doing Hamlet. The guy with the least oh, amount of acting range that you've ever seen. That's when I started getting angry. Tackles Shakespeare. When when he f- no sells
1: the story about the baby killing and he's like, you want to hear my
0: audition? <laughs> what is this,
1: <laughs> <laughs> this guy? Is so-
0: Normally Charlie is like the rich little of podcasts, and you just can't nail down the it. mystique of John D. Hart. It's too- you're giving him the key is you're giving him too much personality. Right, this man is. This man is talks like no human I've ever heard. <laughs> John DeHart is closer to like whenever you see Mark Zuckerberg on like yes. a congr- congressional yeah, yeah, hearing yeah, yeah. that like, okay, this guy could be. When you hear him writing a story about a former DEA turned judge, turned Satanist baby murderer, makes you wonder who this guy really knows. Mm. You know, this guy is, he's a lawyer. Is this him just like David Simon last season of The Wire being like, you know what? I didn't like how I was treated <laughs> that newspaper. I'm going to make newspapers into the big dicks of The Wire. Mm-hmm. wonder if he's like, man, that judge really let that guy off the hook when I fucked that case by showing up. Oh, yeah. I'm going to write this about all judges the judge probably worship Satanist. satans and fuck babies. <laughs> Dr- deal drugs. <laughs> this, is a, this is John DeHart's revenge piece. He's getting revenge on the judges that didn't award him And a case. for no
1: reason, slap a woman around for a while. There's some woman
0: violence in this. There's but some- <laughs> the, key with- <laughs> the key to Bronson killing off a bunch of fucking punks in Death Wish 2, his daughter gets off in 15 minutes and gets the most undignified death ever. Yeah, yeah. You want to see John DeHart's killing these guys like, oh shit, we forgot the revenge. We got five minutes. Tie this up. It literally crash it, the compound. It literally is. It's like, oh,
1: oh shit. I I, I had to have something happen in this movie besides me. Fucking <laughs> oh shit, this, the revenge. This blonde woman. Uh yeah. But yeah, dude. And then and then yeah, and then at the end it's like,
0: uh,
1: blink, squeeze, blink, squeeze. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like the level of the balls on this guy to write himself doing Shakespeare. Yeah. The, the fact, fucking balls. like the balls to do Hamlet. And I'm picturing this guy. Getting he does like,
1: the "to be or not to be" he, speech. Yeah, right. As his like, hey, remember I used to audition for parts in movies. That's what it must be. This guy is a failed actor turned lawyer who is like, yeah,
0: if only they knew what they what they had. All right. So something that something that blew my mind. The idea that that John De Hart, when I saw Mark Mark Borschart and got to talk yeah. with the guy for a few minutes. Right. The guy. When I when I showed up to that day, I went up and talked to our buddy Josh, mm-hmm. and was like, "Man, is Borscht here yet?" And he points over to clearly mark borchardt who was blocked from me because the guy's like six five yeah. right he's a big dude he wears this big old glasses he goes he's man. the guy over there that looks exactly like mark borchardt <laughs> you're like fair enough <laughs> what's incredible though you talked to this guy for five minutes right and he made COVID. And he's and he looks like a total psycho you know the guys yeah he looks a, like a sketchy type, right?
1: Outsider art, they call it. And <laughs> within two
0: minutes, he's talking to me about the umbrellas of Cherbourg. Oh, my Lord. This guy was seeing like Criterion Collection movies before there was a Criterion Collection, though, right? This guy's a cinephile. Serious. Student. This guy is serious yeah, about yeah, the yeah. cinema, right? And
1: <laughs> it just so happens he wants to do a particular type.
0: Yeah, right? He just wanted yeah. to make COVID. Yeah. You get the sense
1: maybe Hart didn't see the umbrellas. I don't know (laughs) how familiar
0: (laughs) John D. Hart is with, like, the French New Wave. Yeah. Or how much, if he's seen The Red Balloon. I don't know if he's seen uh, Los Olvidados. I don't know his film history. But I think I do because I think he puts, yeah, I think he wanted to be Bronson. And who wouldn't want to be Bronson, right? but. In 1993. In 1993. Yeah. <laughs> <the laughs> but man, having the balls to write yourself doing Hamlet. Like you're a like, so I'm picturing John DeHart finding a VHS tape of Olivier's Hamlet mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, we're the same guy. We make movies. We're the guys exactly. that make the movies. We do these roles, right? We're filmmakers. But it gives us, without him doing Hamlet. Would we have gotten Wingshauser improvising one of the greatest scenes in film history where he desperately tries to fight two men in a bar <laughs> by refer Like, this is a. Dr- We've all been to bars. We've all seen the drunk guy trying to start shit. And the best way to defuse it, don't give the guy an audience. Yeah. Just cool it down. The guy doesn't get what he wants. Usually he leaves. And we get to see five minutes of Wingshauser escalating a situation. In one of those ways where either he was just drunk and didn't know cameras were rolling and was, because he's botching lines and he's improvising new lines. It's yeah. like when Trump flubs a line and he's just like, I meant to say couches also. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't matter, right? Well, it's, it's like Wings is
1: like, this is my Cassavetti's moment. It's to, to do what I want to do, improvise. Just get something raw on the camera. We unironically
0: compare Girls of the Carnival to Cassavetes multiple times. And I mean it. It's that same rawness that Cassavetes has. And these raw wings scenes, man, they're Cassavetes kind of. Wings
1: knew he was in a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And he also knew that this dude needed him to fill out like a good 40 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Because he had no plot.
0: What so fucking ever? <laughs> hey man, no fucking plot. DEA, his girl gets turned, it falls in. So the, the way the way yeah, Pam- the plot is a,
1: D, a DEA uh, turned two guys get set up. Satanist. One judge gets to become a Satanist turn judge. Turned drug dealer gets a total of fifteen
0: minutes of screen time. I Wings do,
1: gets thirty-five minutes of. I do love Pamela Bright describing how she time. fell
0: into a cult because it really sounds just like. They seemed like a cool bunch of guys, and then the Satanism happened. It was it's just like, like a that's total how the cults social. start, honey. That's how they get you, man. When John Dehart takes her back up to Chatsworth to get her clothes back from her parents. Oh, my Lord. Dude, the guy who plays Cindy's dad, two issue voter right here. Two things he does not like drugs <laughs> and Satanism. And she got into both and of he, them, apparently. But what's great is the whole thing is treated like the dad is Hank Hill. And the daughter's like, you're never going to let that go, are you, Dad? And he's like, you're not another one of these guys that's on drugs and into Satan, right? And John DeHart's like, I don't know what your problem is, buddy. And it's like, <laughs> his problem is that his daughter fell into a satanic drug cult. I'm a friend of Cindy's, and that should be good and enough And you for have you. the most haunting eyes I've <laughs> ever seen on a man. Would you... you look like an actual ghost. If John DeHart came to your house, and you looked out the peephole fucking chance I am opening this door. No chance. As pale and flubby as he is in this. Yeah. Dude, this yeah. guy is, he's not a guy you'd open your house to. Yeah. Not at all. I am 100% team Cindy's dad. But why I think John DeHart's yeah, backstory. to wrong. When John DeHart is like, basically, so John DeHart is so low key because he's not good at emoting that everything he says just kind of sounds like, He's basically going, look, do it or don't do it. I don't know. (laughs) And so Cindy's like, "Ah, I don't know. I'm really having a tough time with my dad. And he's like, yeah, I just don't agree with this, man. Family (laughs) should work things out. And his dad's like, you're not one of these druggy Satanists. And he does this long kind of back arching stretch (laughs) this is why i say when the man's working in his like physical therapy into scenes he grabs like the gutter of cindy's house like he's grabbing the door frame of a house just kind of like i don't know (laughs) like uh, i'm getting in my like you know doctor says i need to do five reps of 10 on my back on my traps i mean that would
1: explain why he had such a grimace of pain every time he fired a gun in this movie, I think this guy was it in probably hurt like deep hell. physical pain filming <laughs> champagne
0: and bullets. And this man <laughs> just persevered a, just a deep, creased brow, grimace of pain every just...
1: time he f- fucking squeezed the trigger of a gun at the end <laughs> or tried to shoot a bow. And, the, and it's like him <laughs> handling a bow and arrow, right? But it's like you, if fumbling, you had a bad it's, back, it's, can you imagine how bad fucking, he's fucking fumbling with the bow in the shot? Dude. And it's like it's one of those where it literally is like, bo, <laughs> just it goes Dude, five feet off a camera. A professional, uh, and then it just cuts to the guy like, uh, same guy later gets gunned down in a hallway. <laughs> this, the, it's a total video game where the. Three oh, dude! Henchman when he models, when he goes on his road to revenge at
0: William Smith's compound, it was like one of those. It was like night trap. It felt like those yeah. laser disc arcade games where you're like in an old west town, you're shooting guys off yeah. the saloon. It oh, felt absolutely. like that because yeah. these enforcer where the guys like. It is a up. frame shot down a hallway with three doors on either side, like every arcade shooter, right? And yeah. you get guys jumping out like you're in. Like, uh, that, you know, any, <laughs> any, what was it, Gunsmoke, whatever, oh, uh, yeah. Hogan's Alley, Gunslinger. all that shit, right? Yeah. And D-Hart is sh- taking out these guys around the corners. Dude, this Wings Hauser performance, though. <laughs> <laughs> we get on we his... We bring it back. We get on his drunken rants at the girls. This man not only has the biggest fight... You talk about Cassavetti's, Hauser has a fight with his... Quote, bitch oh ex wife. If anything feels like Cassavetti's, it is arguing with an estranged lover.
1: That also felt a lot like Deadbeat at Dawn, just like a TV on in an unfurnished apartment room mm-hmm. with like a sweaty couch and just beer cans everywhere. Yeah, like, hot couch. Like, real hot couch. Honestly, like, so much of this movie is like we have hit rock bottom. Like, the, as movie viewers, as like, if this you- is what we're watching. We have hit the best such a piece of bottom. drunk
0: guy. You know that wheel of fortune puzzle where it starts with one sentence, but then it ends with a second se- sentence. Okay. Anyway, Wingshauser starts trying to insult a guy at a bar. Yeah. These two guys that he's desperately trying to get a rise of say you don't know fucking Hamlet, man. And the great thing he's <laughs> yeah. like you don't know all the all the things that Hamlets wrote. And John DeHart at one point the only thing he says is like you know. Ha- Actually, Shakespeare wrote Hamlet and he goes, You know what? Who gives a fuck? Like, <laughs> he's just trying to fight these guys. And the one guy's wearing like a fringe like cowboy coat. And one of these great before and after sentences, like one of the great drunk men on film, is yeah. Wingshauser going, Listen here, you fucking fringe. And then he, like, loses the insult, and so he's lingering on the word fringe, and he goes, and then it turns into this great hippie, like, L.A. mysticism, when he goes, fringe benefit, motherfucker, (laughs) right? (laughs) He's such a Malibu surfer, man, just a Santa Barbara fail son. Beautiful. Starting his own
1: cult in the pool. Starting his old about Huck Finn. Huck Finn. He man. went up river. We're going down river. <laughs> we're the slaves, man. It's beautiful. And it's like, what does this have to do with the satanic cult? What does anything have to do with anything in this movie? I mean, um, maybe we're, maybe we're, are we? Wrong. Maybe, maybe we're, we're wrong? wrong for even
0: trying to find connective no, tissue here. Wingshaws like, are fully embracing celebrate. the the Church of Huck Finn yeah. with. We get a good payoff for whatever long butt we got in that strip scene. I like that redhead's butt during Huck Finn's <laughs> religion. When oh, Wings God. is in a pool reborn. They've all like dyed their hair the orange. The Lamb. Yeah. All that big nineteen ninety three curly red hair. I love it. I love the flavor oh of this man. God. There's a couple of great lines from Wings Hauser that in a better movie would have been absolute classics. Yeah, yeah. The interchange when, ble- when, like you said, when he drinks bleach in a prison because his life is in the shitter. His ex-wife sets him up. He's bi- he's a former cop. He ain't getting the chauffeur gigs. Yeah, he's down and out. He's drinking too much. His ex-wife is way, be- he's way behind his alimony. Oof, oh. down and out, man. This guy is in the, s- he's slumming it. And he looks at every second, man. I believe puffy. that. He's puffy. He is I dirty. He's that. got stubble. Wings is down and out. And his wife's accusing him of a, trying to set him up with a fake sexual assault. This man's already down and out because of a fake accusation. Yeah. Now his BX wife is giving him another fake one. <laughs> Bitch from hell. Yeah. And uh, the way this man, the exchange in the hospital when he re- recovers from his bleach drinking, Gets out of jail. No explanation. I guess yeah, if you yeah. just get if you drink bleach and live, you get a get out of jail free. They're like, Well, okay, you, you was, made it. You, All right. yeah, you that made was crazy, it. That's crazy, man. We don't you get it. You did it. If you want he wants it bad. Yeah. He regrets it. That guy clearly regretted it. He did his time. He drank bleach.
1: Hey man, don't drink my bleach. <laughs> hey man, that's for the floors, dude. <laughs>
0: that guy doesn't that guy come back as one of the thugs? The janitor? (laughs) He must. Jason picked up on his hockey mullet. I'm sure he does. two great lines. One of them just accidental. The other one, again, if it's a Shane Black line, all-time classic. Right. The first one was an accident just because John D. Hart doesn't know how to talk to a man. He walks into the hospital. Let me say, if you got to the point of depression where you drank bleach, Mm -hmm. you survived, and I came to visit you, Best friend coming into the room. I don't I don't know what I would say first, but I'm one hundred percent positive that my lead wouldn't be Heard you did that bleach thing <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Heard you did that bleach thing. But what's great the the biggest save in the history is this beautiful kind of chuckle that Wings does where he goes, Huh, bleach thing? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like, fuck, yeah. Yeah, I did the bleach it's thing. It's crazy, right? I did the bleach thing. The great Shane Black line. This is a classic. No full credit. Full credit to John Hart, man. This is the kind of line where I see you writing a line like this. I get why you think you have the, the stones to make a full movie. Okay. When Wingshauser does one of his full monologues, and brother, he does several full monologues in this movie. You know that. That I love every bit of. When he's looking at his glass, he's talking about his depression. You're hoping this is he's seeing the dark side and he's seeing that light. He's going through. And he says, look at this glass. Does this ha- look half full or half empty to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, but it looks dirty. Got some ash floating some in, ash it. in it. <laughs> That's good. It's It gets tanked by John D. Hart, you know, Delivering being yeah. him. But it's a good one. It's good. It's great. And I weirdly did find myself into their friendship when I found yeah. out that these guys were pals. The big question is, why were Pamela Bryant and William Smith and Wings Houser in this movie? They all knew him. He probably was yeah. a good guy. And they got paid I'm a few sure. thousand bucks. I know. And they filmed it on weekends in between gigs. A shocking thing is that Wings Hauser, 1993, was like the peak. Had to be the peak of his earning income. He was on Roseanne yeah, yeah. as the Connors neighbor. Top he was on world. 90210. Like Ramrod's cool, but I bet he got like, you know, five grand to do Ramrod. When you're right. showing up on Roseanne when it's one of the top five rated shows, that's a gig. Right. And on weekends you're like, shit, he- <laughs> yeah, I'll come hang out with you, John. We I'll can cut we can crack and- beers. I'll do some shit. Yeah. yeah. That's a buddy. Mm. That's a buddy guy. That's a pal. And so, yeah, I found out that's probably why they did it. They were pals. They're probably you, not pals anymore.
1: Do you think Wings was the hand off screen that accepted John D. Land, How did we get seven and a uh, half hours into our <laughs> Champagne and Bullets
0: episode and not mention when people talk about a movie? We've seen bad line deliveries. When that one guy is witnessing a murder in Troll 2, yeah, yeah. they're eating her. Then they're going to eat me. Oh, my I have. God. Yeah, oh, my God. I have never witnessed just you know we see boom mic shots sometimes. Exactly. I've Maybe never witnessed a crew witnessed, member in
1: a reflection of a mirror or something, Sure, right. You
0: see that in some of the most well you know, the most awarded movies. Yeah. You can see crew members in glinting off a C3 C-3PO shit in Star yeah, Wars, exactly, right? right? It's tough. When you're filming somebody in a mirror, you might pick up other shit. Oh well. I have never seen a distaff hand reach into a screen to pull something off of the screen to take a
1: hand off. John DeHart, as if he's putting his champagne glass down on a table, just hands it to a hand. He just hands it to a man that reaches onto camera <laughs> and takes the. And I think Tim is right. I think it is us. I because she the the woman breaks the fourth wall after that scene. I think we are invited Dude. to the champagne party there to watch them have sex on the bed. While she is fully
0: aware. Here's what you have to buy into, there. and I'm not saying it's a 0% chance. I think there's something to it. Champagne and Bullets is the third cut of this movie. Yeah. The third cut. Since Probably most the, of the most popular since cut. Since most right? of the nudity was, was was removed from the other cuts, this Pamela Bryant's tits are out for the full uncut six minutes of this honeymoon scene My god their wedding is one minute the honeymoon sex is like eight minutes she does a full strip tease like our third of the flick yeah and then they just grind (laughs) and they're sipping champagne as advertised yeah and when he passes that that champagne flute off camera and some man grabs it you know this movie's been through three edits this guy knows how to cut a scene. I wouldn't say he knows how to cut a scene. This is the only movie I've seen where a saw You would song think he would know if a staff hand yeah. crew member. Sometimes off you get those came into view. In in that movie Bronx Warriors, we get that guy eating shit on eating on his motorcycle at the end of the scene. It's like, right. why did they not just end that guy pulling up at the building a minute earlier? So you start right. asking yourself. Why it's in cruel jaws
1: do you start with them standing still before they walk? Yeah.
0: Why do you start with the guys freezing for a moment like they're in a game of freeze tag and then go, it's rolling? Good. We're going. Yeah. When you know how to trim... When you've obviously trimmed other scenes, how by the... But when that hand comes, that really does make yourself question, like, how self-aware is this? How much does this guy know? And when Pamela Bryant looks you dead in the eye at the end of that screen, you're asking... Has John DeHart seen the, like, Antoine Dotel films? Mm. That shot at the end of 400 Blows where Antoine's looking into the camera, and they hold that frame, and within the freeze frame, it zooms in? Right, right, right. It's impossible, right? It can't be. It can't be.
1: It can't can't be. I refuse to believe that. The intention was there.
0: There's no way John Dehart has seen the four hundred blows, right? Maybe he has though. But all he, he has to have seen this. He just like in, Just like Bergman, they found copies of like Beverly Hills Cop Three mm-hmm. at his estate. Mm-hmm. The Greats watch shit. Does the shit watch like <laughs> the Greats? How much did we'll never How know. much did John DeHart learn? from like Vertigo.
1: See like the Andy Kaufman <laughs> of Revenge
0: like films? I wasn't I was skimming through the uh, audio commentary. So if I maybe I missed when he was like, "No, when I was watching Renoir's The Rules of the Game, I really liked mm-hmm. the tracking shot. Like, pff, I don't know how much Kurosawa this guy has seen, but that one scene is so fourth wall breaking that you wonder, yeah. How much of this is intentional?" When we get to the Road Revenge, once Cindy uh, perishes in a motorcycle accident, man, Pamela Bryan had done about 20 minutes of on-camera nude work in this movie, but I think I would do 20 minutes of nude work in this movie versus getting onto a motorcycle <laughs> driven by John DeHart. Right. Just going through the hills. Nope. On a bike. Don't trust that. Yeah. Do not trust that. And like you said- Once we get past the hand grabbing the champagne
1: flute,
0: (laughs) once you get past that moment and you're through the looking glass and you're deep into champagne and bullets, man, the road to revenge comes quick. Yeah.
1: The revenge comes quick. Well, it's one of those where it's like, we're an hour 20 into this movie.
0: And nothing has happened. Like I said, man, Bronson's daughter dies in the 15 minutes in, and the yes. rest of Death Wish 2 is him hunting down one by one these punks.
1: Every revenge movie is the person <laughs> dies in the first 20 minutes, or the or John Wick's dog dies yeah, right? in the first 15 minutes. Dude, John- and then he and then he systematically goes through the competition until he gets to the revenge. Or he goes on a road to revenge. This road to revenge is.
0: Turns, motorcycle, out motorcycle turns, death. turns out it's
1: just down the street. Motorcycle death, <laughs> punching bag, infiltrating the house, and bowing I think at this point we have three
0: dude. John Wick movies. I think we can cobble together enough footage that can make like an hour of John Wick just like hanging out. Yeah, before the road to revenge Things starts are going well, it's just like John Wick doing. Sh- I kind well, of like. Got I kind of w- would. But
1: I, I'm a limo driver now, and I mean some of the best I'm scenes in girlfriend. the me-
0: in the mechanic are like after Bronson does a kill, and then he goes back to his kind of mid century modern mansion. He's just kind of lighting his kind of retro fireplace while <laughs> like sipping some brandy. Taking some time. I kind of dig him in his like you know ascot, just like uh oh, yeah, this is in between the killings. <laughs> But Same John DeHart just spends an hour and 20 minutes showing how like a lot of a lot of hot women apparently are very charmed by John DeHart's like bulging red eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're right, but, just pale flecky skin. You know,
0: William Smith's a pro. William Smith's been in some incredible stuff. And as much as he brings to this, I also kind of like the Shaggy Dog like filming a movie with my buddy. I don't think I have to think some of William Smith's stuff is him going like, "This isn't actually gonna be be released, huh?" The <laughs> right, same way, right. guy, you know, Woody Allen would do Japanese commercials because back in the day, nobody, would, no Americans, would know you're getting big money to do this. Yeah, yeah. How much is William Smith being like? Well, I'm just gonna say the same line. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna pretend to do blow, and nobody's ever gonna see it. None of these guys were probably like, "Hey, what if in 30 years some niche Blu-ray company makes a <laughs> UHD cut of Champagne and Bullets right. to sell to nerds?" No way to predict that. This feels like something that would never see the light of day. You're not going to get a premiere. Yeah, nobody's going to show up to watch this. This is such, hitting such theaters. a personal
1: project that it's like for John D. Hart to just have at his home.
0: This feels like you might as well be making sending somebody a video of like foot fetish this porn. This is something like this it, isn't going to see the no. light of day. This is a yeah. this is a nudie cutie that a guy shows on his little film projector to his buddies. Yeah, exactly. This isn't going to get played anywhere. Look surely what Uncle no John did. <laughs> surely nobody's going to spend a hundred and twenty dollars on eBay to own a Blu-ray of Champagne and Bullets, right? Honestly,
1: the thing. Yeah, when <gasps> when I knew that uh, this was one of those sought-after releases. Yeah, I was like. Man, this must be a pretty good movie. (laughs) Brother,
0: (laughs) the movies that I Can you
1: imagine thinking this is gonna be like a classic? (laughs) And you all spend right. all the money Look, on eBay some, for it?
0: Somebody must be spending $250 on Bloodhook. I this mean, must be good. I mean, I
1: don't know if I'm going to make rent this month, but I got champagne and bullets. Let's put it in. I, I won. can't wait. There was 18
0: other bids on this auction, but I sniped the guy. When you're drinking champagne and you're firing your gun, immediately you're just like, you're thinking about your gas bill, and you're just like, what did I do? What decision did I make? How on many people have
1: bullets? had that moment of instant regret? You look up. On.
0: You oh man! You and I are both physical media collectors. We've both yeah. seen some comical prices for dated media. You're a laserdisc man. Mm-hmm. How many laserdiscs do you wish you had that go for way too much money? The idea oh, is I told you uh zapped again. Dude, zap I'm so glad you zapped brought up zapped again. again. That was the one I was gonna bring up. Sixty bucks if I want to get zapped again on laser. There's Pist. a man out there who, by and large, a fucking kid. probably <laughs> has listened to this podcast. There's only a dozen of us out here. But some man <laughs> out there that. whenever you take a trip down eBay completed listings, there's people out there that have paid top dollar for champagne oh, sure. and bullets. Absolutely. You know, you could sell your Blu-ray of Graydon Clark's Joysticks, hey man, for if, like eighty bucks. Honestly, if
1: I won the lottery, I'd be that guy buying the like one hundred twenty dollars yep. Creep Show. Hell yeah, in very good condition. That Creep Show laserdisc yeah. that I keep
0: saving a search and watching—that's yeah. waiting for it to dip below thirty. It's never dipping below. Somebody's 60 got the money because some crazy guy yeah, God with money them. is buying it, and I love him for yeah. it way to go. But, but physical if, media markets are insane and some man If you're that
1: guy who's like my vinegar syndrome collection is not complete until I get Champagne and Bullets in the slipcover right there next to the other movies it needs to be. Yeah. Man, if you if you're that guy,
0: the v, the the groups <laughs> I We a part got a of, movie for you. <laughs> you you're joking and you know that you're not joking. I know. Cuz I could pull up on my phone three different Vinegar Syndrome Facebook groups that I'm on, and I can show you guys that just post their collections of movies like the Vinegar Syndrome VSAs. Mm -hmm. And I'm the idiot that's sitting here like, why the fuck didn't I buy the Vice Academy VSA? Because now the Vice Academy series costs $130 on eBay because we live in a society. And Champagne and Bullets... Is part of that society. <laughs> you can deny it all you want, but it's true. It exists, man. This dude made a movie, and, and I and people are paying money all, for and it. Some dude out there, check eBay. Thirty people this month have paid money to see Champagne and Bullets. It's sick. That's crazy. This is a movie that makes people behave unrationally.
1: I can't. I, I, and I can't hate that. I, I, I honestly, I, it's just like I need to make
0: a movie because it, it it's an inspiration. It, it can't be any worse. Right? <laughs> you and I are smart guys. We went to college. We have some sense to we us. We have perception. But here's the thing. Movies are tough. Mm-hmm. And this guy did it. This guy has spent hours. If you haven't seen American Movie, man, if you haven't seen American Movie, one of the greatest documentaries of all time it's kind of documentary good enough that my parents could watch it. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those cross oh, yeah. documentaries. It's just a great documentary about making a movie and the shit you go through. We know filmmakers.
1: Yeah. Oh, there's the James Franco made the whole uh, The Room there you movie go. Yeah. about the movie. Movie like,
0: about a movie that and, and gets an Oscar nomination yeah.
1: for that. And they could absolutely do that about this
0: movie. John D. Hart's movie. I don't know who it is. It was one of those D. Hart, stories, but, right? Oh my God. I don't know what kind of crazed maniac you can get. You need somebody with David a haunted Lynch, stare. Give me Michael <laughs> Shannon as John D. Hart, man. Oh, yeah, there you go. Give me, if Matthew McConaughey can get down to his Dallas Buyers Club weight. Sure. In those gaunt cheeks, in those sallow eyes, in that thin parted hair. Give me McConaughey as John D. Hart. Then he'll have the accent personality that you give him. Yes, yes sir. Maybe I don't. It <laughs> <laughs>
1: came to this. Oh, my God. Already? <laughs> <laughs> did we get there? Did we get to the end
0: already? What else do we have about this movie? Yeah, no, I, I think it did come to this. Yeah. I mean, I did not pay. An exorbitant price to see this movie. I bought it when it was in print for a still debatable sum of twenty dollars. But we did pay with our time, our limited. I've invested so much time watching this. I've (laughs) invested so much time talking about this. But this is one of those movies. Again, I'm not a subscriber to the so bad it's good. If something brings me the joy that Cruel Jaws or Champagne and Bullets brings, I gotta love it.
1: That's yeah. At the end of the day. It was an hour and a half of laughter and fun
0: and positive memories. We laughed our asses off for two hours with our best friends. Good friends. And you and I spent another seven and eight hours laughing it off talking here. (laughs) That's about right. You can play this as a running commentary track during all three cuts of this movie. 100%. We might release it that way. And I don't regret a second of it. (laughs) We went down that road to revenge. And we got it. We did. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. I don't know where you can watch this movie, but you have to watch this movie. If you've seen any of the... Who's the guy? Neil Breen? Mm. Neil Breen's the world... This was 1993 Neil Breen. Yeah, and yeah. Neil Breen's never made a movie on gorgeous 35 millimeter with that film grade making the absolute shittiest thing you've seen. I love it.
1: Man. I, uh, I say thank you for listening a lot at the end of the episodes. <laughs> and I really mean it this time. Thank you. I love you. you guys. Yeah. Thank UC you for listening. You see Champagne
0: Bullets. Thank you for being here. I'm Eric. <laughs> I'm Charlie. Good night.